choose you. Be cool, baby. Okay. Hey, bitch, come here. Got your motherfucking man. Come here. Mr. Pretty Tony, I mean, you know the rules of the game. I mean, your bitch just chose me. Now, we can settle this like you got some class, so we can get into some gangster shit. Fuck being on some chill shit. We go zero to 100, nigga, real quick. Yo, what up, what up, what up? This is Kels, and thanks for asking. I am back. Took a break for the... Week, holiday, birthday, birthday, holiday, whatever. Anyway, back now, episode 160, Kells Radio. I'm Kells at KMGZ. What up, y'all? Um, so, let's get started. Um, so, yours and never two. I, I, I was struggling for one, because Lord knows. But, um, so it's going to go out. It's going to go out to a little culture, Kiari, Cephas, Seth. Cephas, uh, Cardi B and Offsets uh, had their kid today. Uh, it's a cancer. It's all the greats are. Um, I swear to God, it seemed like she was pregnant forever. That that video she did when she was talking about she didn't want to move her eyes, that was like, it seemed like that was like two months ago. I don't know, though. People, like some people, they get pregnant, and it seems like their babies come wild fast, and then some others, it's like waiting for Rihanna albums. So, I don't know, but I felt like she was pregnant for a long, long time. Um, yeah, so yours and Negritude, um, congrats to Cardi and little culture, Kieri, Cephas. Okay, so moving on. Um, what's, just real quick, I've been noticing like lately a lot of people made up names, real names. Everybody named name kids starting with the K. Like, what's the fascination with the K? Is it like some kind of money fund that is out somewhere that is I'm eligible for? Because you know, I just been noticing everybody loves putting the K's. Even when the, even when the name really starts with a C, they putting the K on it. Like, what is what is the fascination with the K's and the K sound? So somebody let me know because if it's some money in it, I need to collect. All right. So, where we going to start at? Let's get what I don't want to talk about out of the way. Um, so, one of the things that we were trying to uh, stress in the 2016 election was that it was just not about who was going to be president. There were so many things up for stake. One of them was the Supreme Court because uh, chances are the next president coming in was going to get to nominate uh, probably three. Uh, so, Trump has just nominated his second one. Um, I ain't gonna get into all the hullabaloo and bullshit because, you know, it, I don't, he's gonna get nominated, he's gonna get confirmed. Um, I really think at this point that people, the majority of the country who did not vote for this guy and who are not for these policies, really just wanna see the other side put up a fight. The battle is lost, you know. 2016 was the time to, to really make the moves, and nobody did, and so now here we are, and they own the, they run the House, they run the Senate, they run everything, like it's just a minority rule. Um, Democrats cannot do anything, but I think people are would like to see 
them fight because when it was the Tea Party and the Republicans and they were out of power, all they did was rabble rouse and make noise and, and fucking complain and piss and moan and, and now look at them and when it's the Democrat side, all they do is throw their hands up oh well it's nothing we could do, if it ain't nothing you could do, then that me and, and you ain't got nothing to lose, that's the time when real niggas, when your back is to the wall, your, your knuckles are ashy and you ain't got no more moves left that's when niggas turn around and fight and, and we tired of hearing that it's nothing you can do and y'all fall throwing y'all hands up like oh well that's the system it's not the system this shit is not fair the shit has been hijacked the shit has been rigged the shit is a fucking coup and we tired of y'all just standing around and letting it happen like this is not a democracy this nigga wasn't democratically elected this isn't the will of the people this isn't one of them situations like well you know I, I ain't want this nigga to win but I mean hey majority rules that like I, I got outvoted it's not one of those situations this is a goddamn coup this is a goddamn operation and he been placed up there and people just want to see y'all fight and I'm trying to tell you it, like both sides y- y'all are acting like you know, with the whole civility and the statement behind that, and you don't criticize people in the streets, the way to vote people out as a vote, y'all seem to think that that's what it's gonna be. That y'all can just fucking have these public offices and, and pass these policies or do whatever the fuck y'all gonna do, and the only re- redress that people have is voting. Y'all seem to think that people won't get fed up with the bullshit and snatch y'all out y'all motherfucking houses and fucking drag y'all down the street like has happened many, 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 many times in history. Okay? All revolutions are bloody. The most recent, I mean, we in the modern era, the most famous one, I guess, is the French Revolution, but there have been, since then, many all over the world. And y'all seem to act like y'all think that can't happen here. But you want to suppress people's votes, you want to do all this bullshit with the rigging and the Russians and all this, and you think people just supposed to sit back and take it? I got news, they're not going to. And if these midterm, the, the, the fucking Republicans over in Russia right now setting up to fix the midterm shit, and when these midterms gonna come out looking right, I, I, it's gonna get spicy. It's gonna get spicy. So, you know, um, this guy's probably gonna get appointed. He's a partisan hack. Um, I gotta admit though, like, I thought, I mean, at least this guy is a judge, he worked under Bush, he's like a real, he went to law school, like a real law school, he's like a real judge, I mean, he's still a partisan hack, but I mean, he has the, on paper, the qualifications that you need, I really thought this dude was gonna, like, nominate, like, Judge Jeannie, or one of these fucking crazy-ass wacko, you know, mega-preacher lawyers or some shit like that, like, I really, or like, one of these Opus Day Catholic motherfuckers, like, I really thought he was gonna nominate a nut, um, this guy is pretty, I mean, you know, it was, he got the list from, from these fucking, uh, special interest, right wing special interest groups, but I mean, the guy is like, the, the guy is a judge, and he was a judge under Bush, so he has a judicial pass, but I mean, still, he's gonna get appointed, and, you know, I've heard all the different scenarios, I don't know, what I think is gonna happen and what probably needs to happen, but honestly, like, what I really, truly think is gonna happen is, he's gonna get this appointment, he's probably gonna get another one, because RBG is not gonna last much longer, and, you know, I could go into a whole thing on here, maybe maybe I will, give me a minute, but I, I think it was incumbent on Obama to do what Trump did, Trump made a deal with Kennedy, like, you gonna retire, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna appoint this next guy that's gonna keep the ball rolling, that's what Obama should've did with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, he should've been like, look sis, we appreciate you been up here 80 million years, but you're getting old, and um, 
let's go ahead on and retire and lock this in now because particularly now that we know what we know that he knew that they was trying to fucking hack and rig the fucking election and they didn't know what, what shit was gonna happen so you know listen let me just go ahead and round this up so anyway I think what's gonna happen is that um uh, he's going to get confirmed, uh, probably another one's going to get confirmed, the court is going to go way right, it, the country is not going right, the people are not going right, the people are going left, and the court is going to be delegitimized, because they're going to start putting down these rulings, and it's not going to be what people are going to want to do, and here's, the, um, there's a famous line from, uh, is it, oh, I should know this, my constitutional law class was horrible though, and the only case I, I remember is Marbury versus Madison, because we spent like three quarters of our, our first semester discussing just that one case, but um, there's a famous ruling, I can't remember who it was, or what it's about, but anyway, it was, a, was it Roosevelt? I don't know. It was a similar time in history where the court was was one way and the people were the other way and the president was trying, I think it may have been Roosevelt. The president was trying to pass these laws that, it, um, you know, uh, all, the rule, all the laws that Roosevelt passed to kind of get us out of depression and get us moving again and the courts were extreme right wing and was striking everything down. And so um, one ruling came through, I don't even remember it was about labor rights or something and, you know, they just wrote this ruling that was just, you know, for corporate interests, and Roosevelt's response, if, if it's Roosevelt, I'm not sure, I should Google it, but I'm not, was, you know, the Chief Justice, basically the quote is, the Chief Justice has made his decision, I'll let him enforce it. And basically what Roosevelt was saying was like, okay, y'all can sit up there in Washington, y'all black robes, and y'all think y'all can write these little decisions that's going against the will of the people and what everybody wants, and, and think that's going to be it if you want to, but all this is is a decision on a piece of paper. I, if, I, if, if it's not enforced, what you going to do? So, and, and basically, the, and then he threatened to pack the courts, which was like, basically, okay, y'all want to be assholes, well, I can, I, what I can do as president is change this and add more justices and it'll vote things my way and the court straightened up. I think that's what's going to have to happen on this, on this thing, because the Republicans have been, you know, this is a plan that they have been planning for a long, long time, and they have pulled it off because the Democrats just have their head up their ass and just don't ever know what's going on or just horrible. But, I mean, I just, hey, look, and I could be wrong, and we could all be headed for, you know, a new hell that none of us knows, quite possible, but I just don't, I don't think that it is possible for 70, and it's going to be 80, and it's going to be 90, I just don't think it's possible for this small, insulated, backward, uneducated country, bumpkin population of this country to control the entire nation with the, I just don't think it's possible. It's 2018. Time is marching on. Technology is marching on. It has passed you by. I just don't think it's going to work. I don't think they're going to be able to roll back the clock. I don't think they, they're going to try and they can pass all these laws and rules and regulations. But like old boy said, okay, now enforce it. Like you can, uh, you can outlaw abortion, but people are going to be getting abortions. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's like they think if they just write in law that that's it and there won't be any abortions. There was abortions before abortion law. That's why they wrote it. Like, you know what? Let's go ahead. So I just don't think it's going to work. You're going to try to take people's voting rights away. They're going to be, they already confronting y'all in restaurants and y'all, y'all so appalled at that. I'm telling you, if these midterms turn up funny like they probably will, 
it's gonna get really spicy. It's like y'all, you know, those who don't remember history are doomed to repeat it. And a lot of these laws and stuff that we have in place, we have in place because back in the day they was dragging these fucking titans out of their house and killing them about wages and all kind. It was all kind of shit, and that's why we had these laws. Like, okay, we can't work people to death because you know people not gonna work to death. They'll just fucking cut our throats. And y'all acting like y'all forgot that, and it's all y'all gotta do is put all these laws in place, and that's gonna be it. And I'm just trying to tell you, it's not gonna be it. Like, it's not. Like, people are not just going to sit back and and take it. They're not. And we, um, unlike other times in, in the past, um, you know, the demographics are, are, are steadily moving away from you. So, I don't know. Like, again, I could be wrong. But I don't think, I mean, just knowing, again, I've been to other places where it's happened. Just knowing what I know. Like, you can't, you can only push people so far. Some of these dumbasses that think Trump is great... I mean, they're going to be whatever. Again, everybody's not going to make it, and everybody shouldn't make it. And all these stupid people were, were voting for them, and now the factories are closed, and they're so shocked. They shouldn't make it. Like, you, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. So you shouldn't make it. You know what I mean? Like, the education system is crap in this country. We got too much dead weight. Like, a lot of these people should not make it. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we, we need a purge. Um, so, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so... The, the guy's name's Kavanaugh. I think he's gonna be confirmed. Boom. All right, get that out the way. I really do not want to talk about that shit. Um. So just re- real quick, we've been all joking because I guess um the paparazzi caught Hassan and Rihanna again, and they was arguing, and she shot him. She shot him the gun. Well, first she he shot her the gun fingers, had her fucked up. She shot him back the gun fingers. So it's been joke all weekend what they was arguing about or whatever. So I guess she finally saw it because she posted a, a similar picture today and indicated Tay was arguing about soccer, which to me is 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 so real. Because listen, I don't watch soccer, but I tell y'all all the time I watch football by myself because I don't. You know, some people can go and sit with other people's and the other teams, the Cowboy fans, the Redskins fans, and it's all a joke. It ain't no joke. I punch you in your fucking face. So. <laughs> I don't, I get real, I get real aggy about my team, I don't want to hear your mouth, shut the fuck up, if you ain't an Eagles fan, you get the fuck out of here, go watch it with whoever fucking team, fan team you got, not here, so I totally get that shit, like, yo, I can't, people be like, oh, could you date somebody that's a cow, no, I, uh uh-uh, I can't date nobody that's a rival fan of a team that's a rival of mine, I can't date no, marry no Redskin fan, no goddamn Cowboys fan, none of that, um, you know, if you in the AFC, I mean, okay, sure, because whatever. But same conference or, like, same division? No. Nah, mm So I, I just thought that was funny because, I mean, but what I will say, so, you know, there was the rumor from MTO that they had broke up. I really, I thought it was funny because it did sound like Rihanna and they said she was tired of him, but I was like, that's MTO. I don't, and plus, I didn't believe it because y'all know, y'all know, I, I fucking stalked my bae, and I knew that, I was like, well, she's still in London, and she's been in London for a while with him, like, all her um crew they come for, like, events and stuff, but you know how she usually hang out with her girl. She ain't been doing that. She's been over there with him. So I'm like, well, she's still in London with that dude. So I don't really think they broke up. Um, but there's just been some back and forth. He's the guy that used to, to date Naomi Campbell, and he's kind of – I guess he kind of has a um, – There, uh, so the rumor – there's been little rumors that maybe, you know, he he's, like, dating her for publicity – 
it don't make sense to me because he's a billionaire and he's like a rich Saudi heir and like I mean I get it Dayton Rihanna gonna get, gonna make you fly regardless but I mean I don't really see him dating her for for what right like you date Rihanna because Rihanna is willing to date you and you thank God right for, for publicity but um I do but I don't know like I do think it's odd that they are paparazzi keeps catching him and her in what is supposed to be intimate um, places where they're supposed to be by, by themselves and they just, paparazzi just keep catching these, these pics and I'm like, this has never happened to Rihanna before, like Rihanna when Rihanna is low, she's low like when she, she controls her image and her Instagram, so when she's somewhere and she wants to push it on Instagram, she puts it on but when she doesn't, you don't see her and I just think it's odd that all of a sudden now, paparazzi is getting all these pictures when it's just supposed to be him and her, so I I, I already don't trust the dude, I told y'all, just because he's Arab, but I, I, you know, and it could just be that they know that he's dating her, and they know who he is, and they just follow him, but it just looks very, I remember when, um, way, way back in the day, some of you youngins won't remember this, when Samantha Ronson and Lindsay Lohan were dating, and um, that was also, and they kept catching the paparazzi just kept catching Lindsay out there just looking crazy at all, all the time and it, and that was the rumor that Samantha Ronson was using her for publicity to try to raise her profile and was calling the paparazzi and it turned out to be true that that's what she was doing because, um Paris Hilton said that, Paris Hilton finally was like, yo, you know, she been calling the paparazzi on, and, um, on Lindsay Lohan and she's, you know, just doing all this shit, was trying to use her for publicity and, and, and um, Samantha Ronson tried to sue him, and her suit got dismissed on what is called a slap statue, California has something unique, it's called a slap statue and it's because, you know, they have so many celebrities and they have so many of those type, t- type of lawsuits and they don't want to have to deal with, um you know, just these petty people suing just for bullshit, and so basically when you sue for defamation, which is like you're trying to say somebody says something untrue about you to defame your character, blah 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 it's a lot to it, but basically California has an affirmative defense which is called slap, they call it the slap statute and basically what it is, if you can prove that that not only what you said about the person is true, but if you can prove that that person that is, is suing you, just to harass you, or bring you, you know make you have to use lawyers or whatever, when we, they, what you're saying is absolutely true and they know it's true, but they're trying to sue you to basically harass you, then you can have the suit dismissed outright, but you have to be able to prove that it's the truth, and Perez was able to prove, I don't know if he got receipts or whatever, but he was able to prove it, and that lawsuit was, was dismissed under slap, so that basically means that he was telling the truth and she was calling paparazzi, and I just feel like this is kind of similar like, how come every time y'all together in the pool, having sex, or whatever the fuck y'all was doing, now y'all arguing about the soccer, they, the paparazzi keep getting these pics, how is that, when we ain't never really called Rhea out there like that before, like yeah a couple snaps with Chris, but they was out in public, on the beach, and a couple with, with Drake, but they was, you know, in a restaurant or whatever, and, you know, but you know, anybody could get news that somebody's in a restaurant, but these are like when y'all are by yourself, it's just y'all two, ain't nobody else around, how are these pops getting these pics so I don't know, I hope that ain't the case, but I, I, it just, I, I wonder, cause, it's every time, here come these paparazzi pictures, um, alright, so, Drake dropped Scorpion, um, and, you know what, 
it's a good album. I don't. I like the. I like y'all know. I have said, and I will continue to say, I like rapidly rap Drake. I like rapidly rap Drake. I don't like R and B Drake. I'm kind of tired of R and B Drake. I'm tired of the whining. I'm tired of the the beats all sound the same. It sound like I think. Drake, to me, I say the same thing about Drake that I say about J. Cole. You can use a shake-up in production. I know 40 is your producer and, you know, no new friends and all of that, but, like, sometimes you get stale with that, though, right? And your last, like, views and your last few albums just sounded like all the same shit. You could get really stale like that. I mean, Drake, whatever, he break his streaming record, so fuck what I say. But I'm just me personal. Personally, I wish my the last album that Drake had that I really went up for was If You're Reading This, It's Too Late. That joint was slapping. That joint had different production on it, had different sounds. But Scorpion, I like volume one a lot. I like that first volume. I like that first joint a lot. A whole lot. That joint slaps. That I know everybody like what is it? In my feelings. That eight out of ten joint, that eight out of ten joint goes hard. Drizzy is talking big shit on that joint. That's, that's volume two with the R&B eh, it's alright, uh, I, I don't really listen to it I listen to volume one a lot um, now that Joe Budden then dropped the, the, the um, T on what happened with you know that story of Adidon which I believe, a lot of people don't want to believe it, I believe it because it makes sense, what, what Joe said makes sense, it makes sense why Drake's response was aimed towards Kanye and not so much Pusha, he just gave Pusha a little five minutes plies thing at the end and that makes sense Cause, and I agree with everything Joe said. Look, Joe Bunn's got a lot of issues, but but a lot of what he says about rap, I agree with, and I think he's right a whole lot about rap. And I think his whole thing what he said about Drake was correct. Like nigga, fuck, why are you out there anyway? Why are you helping him with his album? And 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 why are you telling this nigga like you told this nigga your whole rollout? You told this nigga you already know he on the stage screaming Jay and B's business, and you know the nigga just he running around with a maga hat and, and just doing dumb shit. Why would you tell him that? And I, I totally believe that that's what happened. That he told him about that shit because yeah, that shit was a rumor. It was a rumor. I told y'all before we all heard the rumor, but it's one thing to have a rumor. It's another thing to have that shit confirmed. And you would be the dumbest nigga in the world to just try to make a diss record about this biggest star in the world. And all that nigga got to do is turn around and be like, you clown this nigga. That ain't my kid. He'll go to DNA right here or whatever. Like if it's not true, you gonna look dumb. So you're not gonna do all that and 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 waste all that and put a whole record out unless you know that shit is true. And I think it's I think it's because Drake told him makes sense, and that makes sense why he came back straight at yay, like yo, are you helping me, you nigga, you gonna call me out here to help you with your album, you need me, I don't need you, I make my own shit by myself I don't need none of you niggas, I'm, I'm trying to be the nice guy, I'm trying, cause you know, I, I, I like to do good music, and I, I wanna, you know put on, and you gonna take it and, and play me like that uh, you shouldn't have went out there though, Drake Joe's right, like go out there for what, that shit come, fuck that nigga, fuck that nigga, you don't need none of them, make your shit, make them niggas fucking sweat let them niggas sweat. Fuck you. So, um, the, the, the volume one is dope. I like it. Volume two, and sorry. I love the Mariah sample. Um, yeah, the, 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 I mean, the, the joint is nice. Um, I, I, I don't think it needed to say. My, my personal opinion, I'm tired of y'all dropping these 30, 40 songs. I'd rather just have 11 to 10 straight, nice heat songs. And I think that, I think just, if you would have just dropped that first CD, I mean, this shit it don't make no difference in here. This nigga's breaking all kind of streaming records. So, and and I get it because some people like like the R and B, like the girls, basically like the R and B Drake. Everybody else like that. I get it. So I I get it. But 
I just, I, I just don't like the second one. Anymore. I'm tired of Kiki. She don't love y'all. I know she's tired of hearing her song, her name. Um, y'all played that shit out. That's been the fastest play I have ever seen in my life. That shit was like cool for a whole like eight hours, and then I got tired of seeing that shit. Um, but yeah, good album. I, I, I bumped that first one hard. That eight out of ten, that joint is is hard. Um, I, I, I hear you, Drizzy. Um. What else I wanted to say on that? It was something else I wanted to say on it. Oh, um, not nah, well. Nah, I guess I guess that's it. I mean, I, I guess when it, when he first responded, even I, it was like, oh, you're not gonna come back and push it. But now, I, I mean, I would I actually. I think that was perfect what he did. Now that we know that the, the story that Joe told, it's like, yeah, dude. Like, I'm not gonna be mad. Like, look. Pusha T is Pusha T. Everybody know who Pusha T is, but y'all people that insist that he, he made it hot for Drake and Drake had to, you know, change. I don't think so. That, I, I, I mean, and they already said that that March 14th was already recorded, and I, I believe it because the March 14th really wasn't, I, I said, I think it's a terrible song. I think it's not a, a celebratory or anything. I think it's full of regret and just like, if I was his son and I heard that song, I'd feel a way about it because it's like, dog, this is this is some bullshit. And I, I just don't think that that's the song you would make in response to Pusha. That song is very dark and very just full of regret and very just not not pleased. Like, it just sounds like, oh, my God, this is my responsibility and I'm going to go ahead and do it because, you know, I, I I got it. But, like, I wish, I wish it wasn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I only love my bed and my mama. You know, it was a horrible song. Um... But like, I, it's just like, dog, you 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 did all that. You 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 went, you you jumped completely out the window trying to go at Drake, and, and your album flopped. And I, I'm glad because I still think that Whitney Houston picture was disrespectful. And and I'm gonna talk about Whitney, which I saw, and I double feel that now. Now that I saw that movie, very, I thought it was disrespectful. I thought it was ex- exploitative, because again. I, I just don't know why in 2018 are you trying to warn against the, the perils of drugs that you need to go buy a, two, a, a, a um, tabloid picture from 2003 from Whitney Houston who is dead and gone with all these little fucking rainbow hair rappers dropping dead every day on this goddamn Molly and Lean and bullshit and you on your own motherfucking drugs. I don't know why you feel like you got to bring Whitney Houston is dead and gone in her grave and I don't know how you think she's a, the uh, cautionary story against drug use when she'd been dead for since 2012 and, and it's been all kind of rainbow rappers that them been dropped dead on drugs since then, Lil Wayne done died and came back to life four goddamn times, Rick Ross twice like, use them niggas, show a picture of Rick, Rick Ross slobbing on himself, having a stroke from that goddamn syrup, if you want to have a cautionary tale leave for Whitney Elizabeth alone anyway, I'm glad y'all flopped, but yeah, so um, you know, hey I gotta give it to Drizzy, this I mean, this album is 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 some heat on it. I, I ain't gonna lie. That 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 first joint is is dope. Drizzy's talking that shit. Um, I, I I like it. I did when it first came out. I was just like, I mean, I played the first one. You know, when I when the album first come out, my my process is I go through and I play. I don't play each song. I go through when I get. I play. You know, I mean, I play each song or listen to it full. I go through when I get the vibe. Okay, boom. Okay, let it play a little bit. Okay, okay. Fix. Figure out what the album's doing. Figure out what the album's giving. Then I go back, then once I do that, because sometimes when I do that and the shit trash, I ain't gonna listen to it again, like, oh, this is some bullshit, like, most of the future shit come out, like, I know y'all like future, I do not, and if I listen to it and I hear that same, same fucking beat for 29 songs and say, hey, 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 that's it, whatever the fuck he does, I will never get the hype, 
I'm not listening to that shit. But if I hear it and I'm like, okay, 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 man, and then I go, then then that's when I go through and I listen to each song once, in the order. Okay, all right, this one. Okay, not that one. Okay, this one. All right, all right, all right, all right. I get to it. Then I figure out what songs I like. And then I play those some more And which songs I don't like I probably don't play I listen to it one more time Make sure I don't like them Like nah that shit is trash um, And then you know That's how I listen to albums And so when I first listened to Scorpion I played it You know I wasn't up at midnight Cause I only I'm up for midnight It's gonna be Rihanna The rest of them I, I hear that shit when I hear it So I got up the next day And I played it And I went through And I was like Boom 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 Went through Okay 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 The first joint I was like alright I like this first joint I see he's rapping The second one Here come the R&B shit I'm like Ugh. But I listened to it, whatever. I mean, it's a couple songs on there, but it ain't nothing I'm going to listen to again. Um, and then I played that joint through on the speaker. When I played that joint through on the speaker, I'm like, yo, this is a, this is all right. This is a good album. So I like it. I like Scorpion. It's not my favorite by him. My favorite is still, if you're reading this, it's too late. And I actually like the joint he did with Future a lot. Um, but it's tight. I like it better than Views, which ain't saying much because Views was terrible. But, um, you know, all right, Champagne Poppy. You made that. You made all that baby shit disappear, <laughs> and now we know you got a son. Okay, so moving on. So the um, little Thai kids got rescued out the cave. All of them came out alive, which I'm surprised. I thought them them little boys was dead when they said they was missing for six days with no water. I was like, they finna find six corpses up in there. Um, it took me a very, very, very long time. I don't know the stories I read. It just, it just, they just weren't making it clear, or I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't comprehending it. But I just couldn't understand what the why was. I couldn't understand. First of all, how are they so far into this cave that they've been gone for six days? Can't nobody get to them? Like, what was y'all doing? Because it was like, oh, the cave is pitch, pitch black and it's full of water. I'm like, if it's pitch black. How the fuck was they in there? I, 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 it's, y'all just walking around the pitch black cave? Like, at what point did y'all just keep walking until it just got totally dark and young? I was just confused. I just had so many questions. I don't understand why they went in there in the first place. I don't understand how they went so deep. I don't understand how they got lost. I don't understand why they couldn't just turn around and go back the way they came. I just didn't understand it. And I kept reading. They was talking about, oh, it's water in the cave. I'm like, okay, but it's the whole cave is full? Like, I just... I don't understand how, and it filled that fast because y'all said they was going for, it seemed to me like when it first started raining, right? And the water come in, don't you just turn around and go back? Like, I don't understand why they were so deep in this cave with no guide that they got stuck. Like, they, okay, and it's monsoon season. So apparently what happens is during, during monsoon season, it rains like really fast, like monsoons do, and the cave fills up really quickly with water, and I guess they got trapped. But I'm still like, Okay, but the cave can only fill up with water, but so fast. I mean, I get, I guess it can come rushing in, but the only way you can get trapped is if you are so deep in that fucking cave that you can't just turn around and run out real quick or swim out or see the exit. Like, you got to be really deep down, and I, that's the part that it was confusing me. Like, why? And, and if you're that deep and down in the cave, then it got to be dark down there, right? Why are you walking around in the pitch black with these 12 children that are not yours in this cave? I just did I, nothing about it made sense to me. I just did not understand. I understand how they couldn't get them out. So somebody had to send me like a picture. So I guess they, they, what happened was when it started raining, it flooded the way they came. So they couldn't get back out. And I guess it flooded the other way and they were stuck on this ledge. Okay. And where they, in the end, they were so deep in the cave that. 
they just weren't able to get to them, they, they had to like come, it was like a six hour trip or something, they had to drill, one diver died trying to take them oxygen, I saw pictures of these tunnels they was going through, listen children, all 12 of y'all asses would have been in the upper room waiting for me, because that is looked like a nightmare, I saw the, the video, the one, the, the dude, basically the diver had the goddamn drilling machine, he's swimming under the water, in this like narrow passageway that's like maybe three feet high, like a goddamn watery coffin, a goddamn grave, and he's digging through this rock, trying to get through this narrow passageway to go, no, no, mm-mm, that's seems horrible, that's like my worst nightmare, that I just get stuck in a goddamn narrow passageway full of water, can't move and drown no, y'all, y'all children, look at the flowers look at the flowers, y'all y'all would have been on going on to glory, cause y'all should have been in that cave in the first place um, and you know that teacher, he, he, well the one seal died, he better be lucky they got all them, them, them kids out cause they probably gonna charge him with something because that is like how stupid can you be what are you doing, and then when I read they were like yeah these caves are not these. you need a guide to go in these caves, I mean clearly, these are not caves that you should wander in by yourself, and like you got somebody else's kids like what are you doing, they was a soccer team they was coming from their game, and oh let's just go in this cave, what are you doing you don't know what's in that cave, it could have been some goddamn, y'all seen that movie The Descent, it could have been some of the fucking things in the cave, which is just, who knows what, so, snakes and shit, like, he, they, but they said that the parents, listen, people, black people and people in general, y'all are just way too forgiving, they said the parents was writing letters, like, oh, don't worry, um, you know, we forgive you, don't blame yourself, no nigga, blame yourself, cause you are the single soul solitary person to blame here, because you led 12 children that are not of your loins down into a death trap, and y'all almost died, and, and one man gave his life to come rescue and get y'all dumb asses out of that cave that y'all ain't had no business being in the first place, so blame yourself, I don't know who else would blame, so, I don't know if they gonna charge him, I don't know what tie law is, but like, dog, are you serious? So they got them out, though. I really didn't think they was going to get them. I'm like, them, them kids, they ain't going to make it. <laughs> like, I thought they would already be dead. You can't go but like a day or two without no water. Um, and so I think they found them. They were looking for them like three or four days, found them on the fourth day. So, hey, yo, God bless y'all. Y'all got out. But if that, if that stupid-ass uh, coach don't suffer no repercussions, then... I don't know, something is wrong with the world, because that's that's the kind of irresponsible shit you don't do, like, that's that's exactly why, I don't know, people gotta sign permission slips, and it's all these rules and insurance around sports and activities and events now, because people do dumb shit like that, like, come on, man, dog, like, you almost got them kids killed, y'all would've been dead, y'all would've been 12, 12, 12 boys, y'all would've been dead and they said one of them got some kind of respiratory infection, and like, none of them knew how to swim, so they had to like, train them on the dive to get out of there, now listen, I would've, you know, I would've been, I would've got out of there, cause I'm like, look, if whatever this dive, and these tunnels are standing between me, and not dying in this cave, let's fucking go, and I would've just had to get over my fear and shit, but, that shit would've been horrible, they said it was like a um, six hour journey, and like some of it was like, you know, where they had to get through them little narrow passageways, them little narrow passageways would about kill me dog, I would've just had to close my eyes and just been like, just give me this rope, let me just pull on this rope, because it's like, underwater B, like I, I, I can take like, a lot of things, like I can take just going through a dark cave, and pulling a rope and don't know what's happening, hey look man, are we gonna get up, but like, yo, you, it's no, 
you can't stop and like take a breath. You know what I mean? Like when you start, uh, what's that word? Hyperventilating. What you do? You stop. You take a breath. All right, get yourself together, Kelly. Is just you just gotta go. Move your foot. If you stay here, you are gonna die. Whatever. You just gotta move. You can't do that underwater. You can't stop and take no motherfucking breath. You gotta like you like oh god like it's horror horror horror. I cannot imagine. I mean, I would have went. I would have got out of there because what I ain't gonna do is die on this ledge. But I would that would have been horrible for me, man. When they when they got in them narrow passageways, and I'm bumping up against this rock like oh my god like how when is this gonna be over? Please like if it's open water. Not a problem. Like, yeah, we underwater and all that shit, yeah. But it's open water. Like, I can move around, and I can look around, and it ain't pitch fucking black, and I can see the rope going out and, and know that at some point, that's gonna come out into some sunlight, and we gonna be free. But when you in a fucking narrow-ass passage in this dark, and you can't see a goddamn thing, and you bumping up against rock and feel like you buried alive, ugh, the horror. So, look. God was watching over y'all. It was not y'all time that day. Y'all numbers were not up because they got y'all out of there. And God bless that Thai SEAL diver that died um, running out of air trying to get y'all and y'all dumbass coach out of there. And if that man family don't sue y'all, they they saints too because I damn sure would um, for something. All right. So, saved the best for last. So, I went to see Whitney the movie. Um, this is my last, by the way, this is my last week off before I start my new job, so, excuse me, so I've been trying to see all kind of shit, so, I went to see Whitney, um, and I said, when I went to see it, I said I would, I, you know, I, I had to gather my thoughts, how I felt about it, and I'm still trying to figure out how, I, because, it, it reminded me a lot of Amy, if y'all saw Amy, it was a movie by Amy Winehouse, it was very, like, Amy and Whitney's situation was very serious, but I remember, I mean, very similar, but I remember walking out of Amy feeling profoundly just sad, like, uh, like, this is such a, it just seemed, because Amy just seemed, like, preventable, it just seemed like she just had, it, she just needed, like, a chance, like, she just needed a chance, like, all of that was just preventable like she just really had nobody to give she needed a hand, she really had nobody to give her a hand, right and I just felt very sad about it, cause I was like all that, her mother, her father all these people around her, and the only people that really seemed like they even recognized what was going on were the strangers, like her bodyguard and these other, and like other people Whitney's situation was very similar but I did, I walked out of there and I I felt really uncomfortable because I felt sad, but I also kind of felt like I understood. And that scared me a whole lot because I was like, Whitney died? Whitney just gave up. I feel like Whitney was just tired. She was just exhausted. She just didn't see anywhere else to turn. She didn't see any, she didn't see it for anything. And she gave up. And I kind of got it, which is scary because I'm like I'm not a give up nigga. Like I'm, I, but I got like if you like, I got it. I understood it, and it bothers me immensely that I understand that she just said, "I'm just gonna go on to glory because I just can't do it anymore. I don't have nothing else." So, I thought it was a very good movie. I thought it was put together well. Like he so. 
it starts off where of the backdrops of the eighties with Whitney because Whitney a lot of people only know on the downside Whitney they only know nineties Whitney after Bobby Whitney and Crack Whitney they don't know megastar superstar. Whitney, they don't know the Whitney that who's only that was like Michael Jackson and Madonna was like her only peer. That she still that they put her accolades up on the screen. She's still the highest selling female uh, artist or something like that. I forgot her and Mariah go back and forth, but it's something like that, like highest selling or something female artist ever still to this day. Um, and most of, most of that came in the eighties. So they did a really good job of 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 backdropping Whitney's rise in the 80s you know Reagan was president America the economy was booming you know that just that time they did a great great job of showing that and then they showed like where she grew up in Newark um you know where she came from and they talked about like this dual consciousness that and and like that all black people had because Whitney and her family Whitney was from was born in Newark but her mother Sissy Houston was you know backup singer for a lot of people Aretha Franklin being the most known and her father was actually um, a politician in Newark and was on the take which a lot of stuff about her family I didn't know about was on the take and so you know they moved to what to uh, East Orange which at the time was like considered you know middle class um, from Newark. And so, but it tells about how, you know, they, they um, molded Whitney to be, you know, crossover. Basically, like, look, you want to be a star, you, you, you got to be this way. And a lot of things that came back to haunt Whitney later. But they basically, you know, that was Sissy in Houston molding her for that. So, you know, it goes on, it shows her rise. And, I mean, it'll be, if you, for all, those of us who are familiar with Whitney, we know. But if, if you're younger, it'll be some stuff you didn't know, like her rise and how huge she was and um, all of that. But the thing that really, and I mean, I knew her family was trash, but I didn't know the extent. Um, they are all horrible people. Like, her, <laughs> her brothers are trash. The only person, Sissy, I already wasn't here from sis for Sissy after that Oprah interview because I saw what it was then. But Sissy was trash, is trash, still alive. Her father was trash. Like everybody in Whitney's life, like just took from her, just took from her. They wrote her brother. She had her brothers on payroll. Her brothers didn't do anything when they went on tour. They were tour managers. So she had them on salary, but when they was off tour, she had them on a stipend and like a um, what they say a retainer. They didn't do nothing. All they did on tour was was get Whitney drug, was do drugs and do drugs with Whitney. So they got into the story, which everybody knows by now. Bobby Brown did not get Whitney Houston on drugs. Whitney Houston and her brothers had started on drugs way back in the day. And according to her brother, Bobby was a lightweight. Her, her him and Whitney could just really do. But I mean, like, what kind of brother are you? They were kind of close in age, but like, what kind of brother gets his sister strung out on drugs? And the old like, and then Gary, her older brother, was like an NBA. He, got drafted in the NBA, but then he popped on the drug test, and it's just like, her brothers was just doing drugs with her, and I know the 80s is a different time, and Coke was, it was a lot different then, but like even then, I don't think you, uh, brothers are supposed to string out their sister on drugs, you're supposed to at least try to discourage, you ain't supposed to do them with her right, or you know, so and it just all they did was take from her and the only person that really was in her corner that really rode for her was Robin, was her friend Robin, who um, I found out was, like, more of her creative director. I did not know that. I mean, I knew she kind of was her assistant, but they, apparently she was her creative director, and she was the vision for a lot of Whitney's looks 
all the way up to my love is your love. So all of that was Robin. And she was the only one who put Whitney first. And she used to stand between, she used to communicate with the label. And, and they, they said Robin was the only one that Whitney would listen to. And, and Robin kept all the demons at bay. And I suspect that some of the demons she kept at bay was Whitney's family because her brother, the older brother Gary, would just talk just a homophobic piece of shit and talking about she was opportunistic and just was taken from her sister. Really, dude? You was the one that was getting paid to do absolutely nothing. Robin was creative director and in charge of the, the, the working the label and everything else. She was earning her keep. You was the one that was doing absolutely nothing. But um, Robin was a lesbian, which they go into, and um, oh, Sissy Houston. So you know, when Whitney was out. You know, she was supposed to be from this fairy tale background. Her mom and dad and all that. Turns out they had been divorced and was faking like they were married because Sissy was having an affair with the pastor at the church, which upset Whitney to the point where Whitney moved out. As soon as she turned eighteen, she moved out and didn't even tell Sissy where she moved. So it was, the movie was showing that the facade. Again, he talked about double consciousness of how black people, you know, we call it code switching or whatever, how we, we function in our world, and then we have to put on this whole face for the white world. But then on top of that, Whitney also was faking, like, everything with her family was cool when it wasn't. Her mom and her dad had been divorced, and they were pretending like they were married. So what you start to see is a picture of Whitney, like, never really knowing, like, never really having a sense of self, kind of. I don't know if that's right. I mean, I feel like she knew who she was, but I feel like who she was was not accepted and was not um, good enough. Like, no, you gotta be this, because everybody in the family is riding on her being this big star. And so we're all invested in this lie and this, this fantasy we're telling, and we need you to, you, you it, like you the whole thing. So, we, you know, you gotta do it. And she felt like she had to do it. And it just ate her up because it's like, goddamn! Not only, not only, not only do I have to fake for Clive in America, like I'm this pop princess. Fine, I could do that. I'm a pop princess. Fine, whatever. Do what you got to do for the money. But usually, when people do that, they can go home and they can be themselves, and they can go home and they can relax. But the movie makes it clear that she couldn't do that either. She couldn't go home because she had to, like, pretend that she wasn't on drugs. And she had to pretend that, you know, her mom and dad wasn't, you know, fuck niggas. And she had to pretend that her brothers weren't fuck niggas. And she, had, and she was a baby, a, she was basically a cash machine. There was this one part where they talk about, this is later in the film, I'm jumping around, where, you know, she started to have her money problems, where they said that um, her, her uh, manager had a yacht and a Ferrari. And the guy was like... I don't know how your manager has a yacht and a Ferrari when you're their only client, right? Like, managers get, what, 10%? How you got a yacht and a Ferrari and I'm your only client? You can't afford that. So the implication was that he was stealing, right? Um, but shit like that. Like, she just paid for everything. She pulled everything. She just, everything. They, everybody just took, took, took took from her, and the only person that gave her anything was Robin, and the family got rid of her because of the gay rumors, and they talked about how they had was trying to offer somebody to break her legs and keep, keep her away from Whitney and all of this, because, you know, the rumors about her being, you know, gay or whatever, and, um, they went into that a lot, and I just wanted to really discuss that, because I felt a kind of a little way about it, how they tackled it, um, because they, they tackled it a couple different ways, and I, I felt the way about each different way they did it. So basically, 
what I get from this story is I don't know how long Whitney I don't know if Whitney and Robin had a a relationship relationship it seemed like maybe they did at one point or maybe all along I don't know I don't know how to define it but they're she was her she trusted her she was her confident confidant she said said she's the only one she listened to and she's the only one that looked out for Whitney um beyond that they kind of leave it open but when they talk to her friends her hairdresser Ellen and some of the other people just like in the other Whitney documentary basically the family is full of shit the friends and the band members and employees are the ones telling the truth and so Ellen and them was like look I, I would call their relationship you know the implication was they had a relationship what exactly was I don't know the one dude was like if this was today I would call Whitney fluid I don't, I don't like that, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying he's wrong, and he didn't mean anything by it, but, like, I just really hate when, like, straight people try to label gay people, because y'all, y'all really don't, y'all know so little about sexuality, period, let alone, you know, what LGBT people go through to be trying to label anything, I don't know if fluid, I, I suspect, from what I got from it, from this documentary, other documentary, I suspect Whitney was probably bisexual, and probably, comfortable with being bisexual but nobody else was and so she couldn't be comfortable with it right and I think that um and another thing they said in the movie that I liked they said yeah I think her friends said I think that she loved Bobby Brown but I don't know if she was in love with Bobby Brown and I think I kind of agree with that because um it seems it seems that again like I said I think Whitney was probably bi but she was probably bi, I don't think, I think she was fine being bi, but I think she was bothered because her family would not accept it, and they just probably let her know that they didn't accept it, and very, just probably hostile to it, and so she felt that she couldn't do it, and I think that that's why she said, you know what, I gotta be, let me just get a husband and get a marriage and, and be normal, regular, whatever, because that's what I have to do, because I have responsibility in my family, and this is what they want, that's the feeling that I got from it, not, not, I mean, not so much that, what am I trying to say, not so much that, like, she would have, like, her and Robin would have been a couple, more so that, I, I just think, I, I, I can't explain what I'm trying to say, I think that she felt that she had, if she did this, if she went and got this family, and got this baby, and did all these things the right way, and everything would be fine. That's the feeling I got from her. Not so much that she was rejecting. I, in other words, I don't think that Whitney had an issue with being bisexual. I think Whitney probably knew she was bisexual. I think Whitney was probably fine with being bisexual. I don't think she was ashamed per se, but I think that she was made, she was pressured into you got to do this because the family was ashamed, and appearances, and sissy, God forbid, somebody think my daughter's about, like, you know, you know what I'm saying, like, I don't think Whitney, they tried, in the movie, it was kind of, it was kind of suggested by some that, you know, maybe she was confused, or she was uncomfortable, I don't really think that, I didn't get that, what I got was, okay, I, I, there's these rumors, my, my, they tripping out, everybody in the family, is, this is upsetting everybody, let me just do this, and they'll chill, and Robin will understand, right, she'll get it, and it's not going to affect us anyway, because she'll get it. That's what that's the impression I got. Um, 
what I think happened with Robin, though, as I think the impression I get, again, is that Robin was causing a problem with the family because, again, wasn't just that Robin was gay and maybe, you know, in a relation with their daughter. That wasn't enough, but Robin was also keeping people in line. Like, they couldn't get to Whitney. They couldn't, they, they couldn't get to Whitney directly. They had to go through Robin, basically. And Robin was not for the bullshit. And so they had to get rid of her. And you get that definitely from Gary. Gary just definitely gives you whatever, I guess, what she probably was standing between Whitney and the money, standing between Whitney and the drugs, and they had to get rid of her because she trying, because that's all of them to a man. She's trying to control my sister. She had a control over my sister. She's trying to control my sister. What I got from that was she wasn't letting, allowing fuck shit. She wasn't allowing y'all to manipulate and pull and take from Whitney like she saw y'all for what y'all were, and that's why they got rid of her more so than anything else. So they talked about that. Robin left, so they finally Finally, they got on the um, My Love Is Your Love tour, I guess, and they said that, um, you know, it got to a head because they, you know, was trying to work around Robin and leaving Robin off emails, and they said that um, Robin finally gave Whitney an ultimatum. Um, oh, and, and so this is after she got married with Bobby, and Bobby was jealous of, of Whitney's career and jealous of Robin and her relationship, and they just always bumped heads, and we got this a lot from the other movie, too, Robin just really didn't like Bobby, but she wanted what they said, this. they said she wanted what was best for Whitney, and she wanted Whitney to be happy, and she and, and so Whitney wanted to do this to get the, for whatever reason, and so Robin went along with it, because she only cared about Whitney, she wanted Whitney to be happy, so hey, you want to marry this dude, just the dudes you want to marry, because your family, I get it, gone. You know, and but she and she still stayed around because she just wanted Whitney to be happy. And they said that, but it got, Bobby just made it impossible. Now she got now I got to deal with your family and this nigga. And she just was like, look, I, it's him or me. And they said that Whitney got mad and Whitney was on the drugs hard now. And they said when you know when she she um this was like, well, tell her I accept her resignation. And so Robin left, and they didn't speak for years, they said. They didn't speak for years after that. And then once Robin left, they was like, it just, it was, it changed. Like, she just went. Because they show, like, they show Whitney all through the movie that's footage, uh, hidden footage and film we never seen. You see her personality. She's bubbly. She's funny. She's bright-eyed. She's, you know, Whitney. She's charming, charisma. She's a star. You, just, you see it. And then they show, like, when, when Robin leaves, and then you see that's when she started getting snippy and kind of nasty and kind of dark and that's you saw her and Bobby just always tripping and doing how they was doing and just looking the fucking how they was looking and the whole being Bobby Brown they just she just switched she just changed and they were like you know and 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 it just went from there and um you know they talked about Bobby Christina um the poor thing never had a chance um but the thing that they that the other part that that I felt the way about it, so we're going through, we're going on, we're going on, and it's still this nagging question, like, why, why are they doing these drugs, what is, what is it, why are these doing these drugs, it comes out, comes out towards the middle or towards the end, that they got molested, because Sissy was on the road a lot, she was an artist, and she left them with relatives, and one of the people she left them with was Dionne Warwick's sister, who's dead now, and Whitney says, and, and all the three of them say that they got molested there, now fine, we all know that molestation is horrible. It affects people for life. A lot of them turn into drug addicts and alcoholics. Fine. Um, that may be why Whitney turned to drugs. I, it, probably. I'm not saying it's not. But what 
was also done was then they tried to say a couple of them, and I, I think that's why she was confused about her sexuality because she was, you know, that's the all the church black people swear that everybody is gay because something happened in their childhood and they got molested or whatever. I don't, I don't think so. I think Whitney was bisexual. Um, she may have been doing drugs about the um, because of that abuse. Maybe, maybe, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't feel. I don't think that Whitney struggled or was confused by her sexuality. Is my point. When you watch that, I don't. I did not get the the, the feeling that she was confused. I got the feeling that she, deep down inside, knew who she was and just was surrounded by people who just would not accept it and made her be something else and made her always have to pretend and front and put on this fake smile to the point that she didn't even know who she was and as she got older and more pressure and the drugs and then Robin left her, her only confidant and she just lost herself, she just didn't even know who she was and they've show, they show, you can see it because like they show film where she's like demonstrating it like there's this one scene that's crazy like she's sitting at the table and this is like I don't know what, she didn't, right before she got really bad, she's in the sequined dress, she's smoking a cigarette, and she's like, who is, who is Nippy, because Nippy was her nickname, right, she was like, who is Nippy, who is Whitney, I don't know, I can do Whitney, and then she go into Whitney, she was like, but Nippy, I don't know who Nippy is, what is Nippy, and she's just sitting there, and it's all the, all these people sitting around her laughing and joking, but it's like, it's a, a, it's a scene that stuck with me, because I'm like, wow, like you see it, you see that she does not know she didn't. She didn't know who she was, or like she felt like, like, what am I? If I'm not Whitney Houston, I'm I'm Nippy, but I can't be Nippy because of these motherfuckers here. So like, what the fuck? What am I supposed to do? Like, you could just see it. Like, you can see it. Like, I can't. If you see that scene, you'll see what I'm talking about. Like, she's she she can be the star. Like when she was like, I could be Whitney, and she boom, she goes right into Whitney, and it's like, oh, that's Whitney Houston. But she's like, but well, who's Nippy? And then it's like, yeah, it's like a void. Like, yes, who is Nippy? So. Um, but there's some funny parts in the movie also, some comic relief, Whitney was really funny, like, Whitney was funny, she had a good sense of humor, and it's this one scene where, um, Robin is filming her and her mother, and they're talking about, you know, Whitney's just talking about, you know, I guess it's, it's just like, maybe around, it's late 80s, I think, she's talking about all the, you know, pop music that's, like, disposable, and it's trash, and, like, she's just talking about, like, you know, all this shit is crap, right, I, none of y'all really singing, and she's, like, she's talking about Paul Abdul, and she's, like, mommy, she's talking about mother, and she's, like, mommy, she's singing off-key on the record, and she's, she say that shit, like, like, it's the most hard, like, like, it offends her, <laughs> her very being, like, like, you would say, I don't know, something's just terrible, like, like, oh my god, like, he beats his kid, like, she said that shit, that, that you singing off-key on the record, like, you are just, like, why are you even alive, like, it was, it was funny, cause she meant that shit, you could tell, she was highly offended, <laughs> that shit was not on it, not in tune, right, and then, but then, Sissy started talking about Janet Jackson. Sissy is canceled. Sissy Houston's canceled, all right. And she was like, "Yeah, Janet Jackson ain't shit." <laughs> Whitney made this made this face, and then Whitney turns to the camera. She like, "Uh, can you please uh send the camera to see who said that?" <laughs> like it wasn't me. So who said that? And so Robin turns the camera to Sissy. Like, like that shit was funny, man. That shit was hilarious. Um, it's a lot of funny stuff. Most of it's earlier. When he had a good sense of humor, they showed um, when she went on Arsenio, talking about, because when she got booed at Soul Train, very rude. 
talking about how she sings white, and they said that really bothered her, that really bothered her that she got booed, because, you know, she was like, first of all, what is sing white? I sing. I sing like I'm supposed to sing. She's like, I don't sing white, I don't sing black, and I'm not white. It just bothered her, and they showed old punk-ass Al Sharpton, I didn't even know this. I guess he was calling her Whitey Houston. That bothered her. They said she didn't even know he was saying whitey at first. Um, You know, but like, that really bothered her. That's something else that they said that really bothered her, And, and it makes sense, because you'll just see, like, she really just seemed to be torn about who she was supposed to be because she just, everything in her life was a pretend, she was pretending for Whitney, which she probably could have dealt with but then she pretended for this fuck ass family, who's just all like they all just took for her it was all like you gotta be, they talked about how John, her own father, started stealing from her, and then he sued her because of the hundred million deal he sued her for a hundred million dollars, you got me a hundred million dollar record deal, how you gonna sue me for a hundred million dollars, is you singing these songs is you going on tour, you want all the money like, I'm already paying you as a management fee, now you want all the money so it just showed that um just, nobody in her family just gave, just, just, they all just took, they all just took from her none, none of them cared about her well-being, none of them asked her how she was doing, they just all took her money, they just all let her spend whatever, and it was, you know well, she just said, that's what you do for family oh, well, I'm sure, but like, at no point nobody was like, you know what, Whitney look, I appreciate you paying me when I'm on tour for whatever, but I'm a grown-ass man, like you can't have me on a retainer, or or like, try to do, like, n- none of them did anything for her, like they, her two brothers served as her bodyguards fine, put them on a salary but a retainer, like you, none of y'all like, none of them was of any assistance to her, not her husband, not none of them it just, it just, her mother, her father, it was all about what they were getting out, they talked about John, you know, he just, playing big shot, and just, and just all of them were just contracting off of her name, basically, this one is her brother going in places, and just, just use, like, none of them had any skills or anything, the only one that did was Robin, and as that goes along, you just start to see and she just carried them, and carried them, and carried them, and carried them, and then when she started the drugs, and then Bobby, um, who was of no assistance, his shenanigans, and she started just, um, putting her flame out for him, so here you go again, like, first of all, she's still struggling who she is, and, but, but one thing I do know who I am, I am Whitney Houston, I am that star, but now this nigga come along, he's jealous, and now I can't even be that, because that's making him uncomfortable, so she started dimming her light, and they talk about how, like, she had this production company, and it was going to be named, um, I forgot, like, Whitney Houston, something after her, and then they said, like, the guy called him back, and now we're going to call it Brown House, because Bobby Brown got to beat, like, he was so insecure, and he was so threatened by her frame, and her fame, and she just dimmed her light for him, and just did every, tried to move everything for him, so now it's like, nobody was of any assistance to her, like, you my husband, at least you should be able to, like, help me out, but now I gotta change for you, like, the whole, the whole, the whole theme through the whole documentary, and why it was just, why I say I understand, is because she just never could just be, she always had to mold and bend and move for everybody else around her, because she just had to just appease everybody else and nobody could appease her nobody could just let her be, you know what I mean like, everybody just took, 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 took took. this nigga, like they showed this this, this um, clip of them trying to sing a song together, and Whitney, she got it she Whitney Houston, she in the studio 
she read her tracks that Bobby fucking up, he fucking up the lyrics, she keep telling him, look, you got, you got to come in on this part, to the point where she finally gets down, she's laying on the couch, and Bobby's still trying to lay down his, his part, and she's just on the couch, like, sleep, that part, they talked to one of her A&Rs, and she, this was like after she started fading a little bit, and he was like, you know, talking about all the money they spent making this album, and he was like, but, um, he was like, but this was before it got really bad, like, she still had those sparks and magic, where you're like, wow, this was Whitney, and he was talking about how one night, you know, they was in the studio, it was late at night, and, you know, she laid the tracks down, and she did, and she pulled it out, she pulled it out, and he was like, he said, man, I got goosebumps, and I got shiver, and that's the other thing, when you in that theater, dog, I don't give a fuck what you say, I don't give a fuck who your favorite artist is, Whitney Houston is the the voice, there is never gonna be another voice like that, that, when you hear them songs, the, the way they supposed to be sung, and hear her sing, oh my god, there's nothing like it, nothing like it, like the theater, when the movie goes off, they play the credits, and there's a performance of her singing, nobody moved, everybody was watching it, like, cause you, cause we not gonna hear this again, it was great, and so, the A&R was talking about that, he was like, we went to the studio, it was just me and her, we turned the lights out, and they showed, they showed the video of her doing it, and he was like, she just pulled out, pulled the magic out, he was like, and it was like goosebumps, and he was like, man, I was tearing up, because I, I was just like, this is, this is what this is all about, like, not all this other shit, like, this right here, this is like, you're not gonna hear this again, like, um, and then, you know, so, then they talked about, you know, the rehabs, and, 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 um, they finally got an intervention with Whitney and forced her to agree, she agreed to go to rehab, but then she called her father and her father said she didn't have to go very similar to Amy Winehouse Amy Winehouse's father, she wrote a song about it called Rehab, her father was the same way told her didn't have to go, why? because if you go to rehab, then we not making no money and I can't get no money and I can't be the man so no, you don't need to go to rehab, same kind of shit, that's your daughter that's your daughter who is who's trying to like live and you Telling her she don't gotta go to rehab? Shit like that, right? Her family was trash. And Sissy too. All through the all through the um movie, they're talking about how sissy how protective Sissy was. And Whitney even said that she didn't tell well, they say that Whitney said she didn't tell Sissy about the abuse because she knew her mother would do something. And I'm like, was she though? Like you didn't protect your kids though. You didn't. Your daughter's on drugs. All your kids are on drugs. She can't even be herself. You driving away to one person. Like, you, you're not protecting her. You're not protecting her either because at no point, like, basically, all of them, none of them wanted the gravy train to stop. They all wanted to be related to Whitney and, and living off Whitney because at no point do you say, listen, daughter, we done made, and, and I'm talking about before it got, like, really bad because, again, she was on drugs the whole time. No time before Whitney died in that, ba- in that bathtub. Did any of y'all say, look, fuck all this, fuck that nigga, fuck your brother and whoever else. You her mother. You her mother. You supposed to say, look, Michael, Gary, y'all cut off. We ain't got no money for all this. Y'all go and find a job or do whatever, go home. I don't know, you got to do something out here, but we get your sister well, and then we'll, and then we'll reassess and see what, what we could do. At no point did anybody do that. They just kept taking from her, kept money, let's go, we gotta go, all of this shit, like, that shit, so, like, they, uh, oh, sissy was protected, no, she wasn't, you weren't protective, because if you was, your daughter might still be alive, you didn't do, like, nothing, nothing in that whole time, you were in denial, they kept saying that, you know, they was trying to tell sissy she's on drugs, and sissy just worried about robbing, worried about this dyke shit, 
So you you weren't like they can, they were like oh when Whitney was in high school she got chased home because you know they called her light skin which I thought was odd because I, I mean Whitney's not dark skin but I don't think I wouldn't call her light skin um, she's like uh, I mean I don't know if she's brown skin but she's not light skin I, she's like copper tone she's not light skin but they called her maybe in the wintertime they called her light skin um, and you know they talked about how she would chase the bully homes and sissy would be waiting I'm like okay but that was when she was a kid now she's grown up and you're you're no assistance to her. Like, I'm, I don't know. I don't have a child, but I just feel like at some point when I see my kids struggling like Whitney was struggling, I would just be like, look, you shut up, you shut up, you shut up. Fuck all. Everybody go home. All this shit is off. I'm getting my baby, baby back, right? Never did that. Never. Her father, none of them. None of them. They just let her kill, they just let her kill herself. Um... Yeah, so I'm not here for, like, her family, all of them, they were all trash. The only ones that looked like they, first of all, knew her at all, knew who she really was, so they keep talking to her her, her, her hairdresser, Ellen, which, sidebar, I knew Ellen growing up, because I've told y'all before, my dad went to high school with Patty LaBelle, family friend, well, Patty LaBelle's niece, who was the daughter of my dad's first wife's good friend, Stacy and Stacy used to do hair and she used to know Ellen and so when I was little when I used to get my hair braided up I used to so I knew Ellen in, in other words because Ellen used to not just do Whitney Houston's hair she did a lot of people's hair so I know Ellen or knew Ellen anyway so they talked to Ellen LeVar and she was like you know telling the truth and some of the other people were telling the truth and because they got um, Ricky Minor who also did Star Spangled but that's the one that said she was fluid I I don't know if she was fluid. I, fluid to me means, you know, I don't know, not really, you know, you could you could do you could go either way or it moves. Like like maybe your, your sexuality moves, right? I don't I didn't get I think Whitney was bisexual or maybe I don't know. I don't think she was a lesbian because they did say they say that she liked she dated I don't know. Because they were talking about early in her career when she was dating Randall Cunningham, when she was dating all these guys. And Ellen said she used to tell me all about the sex. She was like, way too much. Like, you're giving me TMI about the sex. But, and she was like, but I don't know if she was doing that because she really liked it or if she just thought that that's what she should do. Um, so I don't know. I can't really call it. I, my instinct, though, just knowing what I know, is that maybe she was doing that because she was trying to not be, but I don't know, and she could, I, I, honestly, I think she was bi, I think she probably was bi, like, I think she probably could be, was probably attracted to both, you know, uh, that, that happens, and just so happened, like, the one person that she really was the most attracted to might have been Robin, but that doesn't, bisexuality, that's how it works, like, it's a, whatever, I ain't here to give y'all no lecture, but y'all, the ones of y'all out there that know what I'm saying, y'all know what I'm saying, I think she was bisexual, I just think Robin was her, her person, but I, I think, I don't think she, I think she was bisexual. I don't know about the fluid part, maybe. Um, yeah, but, and so they go through her, you know, to the end, and they talk, and the part, other part that stuck with me, that they talked to, so they got to Spark, we up to Sparkle now, and they talk, and she was saying about how, you know, Whitney, the music career was over, and but she wanted to do these movies, and she was on set, and she was bubbly, and she was lively, and she was the old Whitney, and she had that spark in her eye, and she was like, and I think it's because she had a purpose, 
and she had something to do because they were talking about when she was in Atlanta with Bobby, she wouldn't let Sissy in, and that's the other part. They like she whoa oh, well they would she wouldn't let Sissy in. Sissy couldn't get past the gate. I, listen, I'm gonna get the police and we gonna get by this gate. I'll jump this motherfucking gate. This gate ain't is this gate made out of fucking electricity? It's not gonna stop me. You coming with me, right? Whatever. But um, they said Bobby was in there. D- d- drawing demons all over the place. I hate. I cannot stand Bobby Brown. I hate him. I'm sorry. I know he did not get on her on drugs, but I think he played a big part in her downfall. He was of no assistance to her, and he was jealous of her, and and he just would refuse to just let her shine. But anyway, they said he was drawing demons, and they was because she didn't want to. She didn't want to get divorced from Bobby because she Bobby was cheating on her, and y'all know Bobby was getting locked up and everything. They talked about she begged him to come on tour, and she just like. But they said that they don't they don't really feel like she was just doing that out of obligation because she didn't want to fail. Her parents had got divorced, her mother had a, 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 a affair, and she they everybody, all her friends said this, not her family, all her friends said this, like she really didn't want to fail. She wanted to show them. She wanted to be like, Oh, y'all think this is not gonna work out. Y'all think that we're not I'm gonna show y'all. And that's why she put up and stayed with Bobby for so long and did all of that because she didn't want to fail. Wasn't necessarily about Bobby or loving Bobby and I hate like I hate when people be like, Oh, I wanna love like Bobby Whitney you do that was a codependent abusive relationship why would you want that I hate when people put them up as the best couple he drove her to her grave I don't care what nobody said and I still can't believe that motherfucker is the one that's alive but anyway um you know and and her friends were like I think I don't think I think she loved him but I don't think it was this great love I think she just did not want to fail and I think that's true because they said that when she finally failed when she finally filed for divorce they said she was depressed she was crying and they came in there and they were like um that her daughter came in there and was like mommy forget this like you don't need this like you're Whitney Houston he was cheating he didn't want to act right just move on and they said that Whitney just kept saying I failed I failed I failed and so I think that's true I think that's what it is and so Again, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking killing myself, and I don't even know who the fuck I am trying to hold up all these appearances and do these things that people say I'm supposed to do, and I can't even do that. Now, now, now I'm divorced, and, and, who, and I still don't know who the fuck I am, right? Like, this theme that's running through the whole movie is that Whitney just didn't have anywhere to turn like she didn't have anywhere to turn like usually when, when, when you go you get down, what do you do? You say, all right. Kelly, god damn it, you done did this you done did that, this is where you come from you done came too far, look you just have to go back to square one and, and we just gonna start again, and they were like but Whitney didn't know what her square one was, like what is my square one, right like, I, okay, I'm, I'm not the big Whitney Houston anymore I'm not married anymore This nigga, you know, like what am I and, and it just kept coming back to that like that she didn't have a sense of self, right, and so there was like at some point, when you don't have a sense of self, at some point, you're gonna, when you hit a wall, you're just going to hit a wall, because it's like, what do you pull on? And so, they were talking about her being on Sparkle again, and, and um, I forgot the lady's name. She's a famous producer. Denise, I forgot. It's, I, I shouldn't know her name, but she's a famous producer, right? And she was saying how, um, you know, when, so when they, they did the, they, they did the, um, the shoot and everything, and then Whitney was talking about this other project she was going to do, blah, 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 and then she said that she told her she was going to go home, but she said that she found out later that Whitney didn't go back home, she stayed in L.A., and her bodyguard told her this, and the bodyguard also told this story at the funeral, that she stayed in L.A. for two or three more days, and then she decided to drive back to Atlanta. That's a long drive. 
And the, la- and the lady was like, and I think she did that because she knew that when she went back to Atlanta, she was going to go back into that hole because there was nothing there for her. She did nothing. And I know she has a daughter and Bobby Christine. They go into that. I don't even want to talk about that side, but like, you know, Whitney did the best she could, but she really probably wasn't a good mother. And I, I, I don't say that lightly. I think she did her best. She wasn't a, I don't, I think she tried the best that she could. I just don't think she had the tools because her mother was on the road and left her with all different family members. And they said Whitney, because she was molested, she was very um, strict about that. She took Bobby Christine on the road with her because she didn't want to leave her kids because she was like, you don't leave your kids with people because they're strangers. You not, never know what's going to happen. And her assistant said she told her that too. She was really, she was really got on her about leaving her daughter. Like, no, you don't leave your daughter with people because, you know, people do things to kids. And so she took Bobby Christine on the road with her. And they was like, but th- because of that, Bobby Christine was always around adults. And she was around adults doing drugs and adults doing alcohol. So she never got to be a kid and she never saw kid things so she grew up very fast and in the wrong way and they were like you know when, when Whitney first had the baby she dropped it off at her aunt B's house she was like she, she gave the baby to aunt B and was like can you bathe her and it left her for 8 months and I think that's because that's all she knew because Sissy dropped her kids off and she was raised by other people so I think that's all she knew I don't think Whitney knew how to do anything else so that's what I'm saying like I don't think she was a great mother not that she was abusive but I just don't I don't think that she was a great mother, and I, but I think that she loved her and she did the best that she could. I, I don't think she, I don't think she knew any better. Like I think she didn't know. How, I don't think she knew how to do anything other than what she did, right? Um. So you know, Bobby Christina didn't never stood a chance. Um. But she, so the lady talked about. So she went back to Atlanta and she said she thinks she came. She went back in that hole. And so when they came back for the promo for um, but see, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's probably true, but she did have something to look forward to. She said she was going to do these other movies. Sparkle was probably going to be a, a hit. I mean, it did. I, I don't know. I'm sure it would have been done well, right? It did well because she ended up being her last performance, but I'm sure it probably would have done better because that, that put a bummer on it, right? Whitney died, so she wasn't able to promote it. So maybe it could have done better. But um, they said she came back. So now, so then the story switches to the assistant, the assistant that found her and was in the room with her. So she said they came. She was, you know, doing whatever. But Whitney was a lot of pills, and out, what this is what I notice about her family and people around her, because you know the death scene has been written out. They found all kind of alcohol and pills. They never mention that though. They say, "Oh, everything was fine." It's like, but she had no. She was drinking for sure, and probably doing drugs. So everything was not fine, right? But they never, whenever they talk about it, they never mention that. So she said she went in there and. um Whitney was getting ready or whatever, and she said she wanted some ice cream. Did she say ice cream? I can't, I think, I can't recall. She said, she told her she wanted something. And so she sent out to go get it. And she said, and I wasn't gone but a half an hour. And she said when she came back, she walked into the room, and she, she stepped in the room, it was water to her ankles. And she said, what the hell? And she walked around into the bathroom, and she saw Whitney floating face down in the water. And she pulled her out, and she was like, I knew she was already gone. You know, and they, I guess they pulled her out, and they worked on her for some more, but they was like, I, she, I, she was like, I knew she was gone when she was in the water. So um, they don't know what happened. Nobody knows. So I, sus- I don't know. I've read stories. They say they found the powdery substance on the mirror. I've read, I heard, I've read a, a rumor that 
she called a dealer. I don't know though. The lady said she was only going for half an hour. So you had if if she called somebody over there, whoever she called would have had to get there, drop off and leave within a half an hour, which I guess is possible. But you would have never known when she was coming back. I don't know. I don't know what happened. They said they found some powder. I mean, clearly she maybe she did she did drugs before she got in the tub. Maybe she had it there already. Again, you never know because the family, they don't tell the truth. So she might have been doing drugs while that lady was there and she just not saying nothing. I don't know. But that's how she found Whitney and um, she passed. And at the end, I mean, I I understood it. I was like, she was tired. She had given it all. She had given it all, and nobody had anything to give her, and she just didn't have any more. She didn't have any more to give. She didn't have anybody to turn to. She couldn't turn to her family. Same, similar thing with Lindsay Lohan. I said, like, when you can't, when your family is pulling at you, is a vulture, when your family is picking from your bones, who do you turn to? The only person that she ever had was Robin, and they chased her off, and, and you know, and she, and she probably couldn't reach out to her anyway, because again, she gotta keep up these appearances and her mom and her brother worrying about if she gonna be a dyke we can't have nobody think she a dyke, so she probably could, she couldn't do that, she couldn't feel comfortable doing that, right? So, I just, like, she didn't have, I think she was just tired I think she was like, look, I, I don't I can't, I don't know what else to do I can't, I'm not Whitney Houston the, the singing star no more I, I, my marriage failed and I just don't have it no more like, I just gonna, gonna lay down and go, and I think that's I think that's what she did. And I and when you watch this movie, it's tragic and it's sad. And but you're gonna you you're just gonna kind of get it. Like, yo, I get it. <laughs> and I felt terrible because I I'm like I usually don't get that shit. Like, nah, nah, nah. You should have did this, should did that. But I feel I think she I don't know what else she could have done. I mean, she could have gone to rehab, sure. But then what? Because they said that. The reason she went on this last tour, because that's the other thing the lady said, the last tour, they was like, she probably would have been fine if she didn't go on that last tour, but there, but there was no money, because everybody had stole from her, and she was supporting everybody their whole lives, and there was no more money, it was like she would have been homeless, so she, I mean, she, you know, she had, a, she had to go on tour, they was like, she had to, because she, there was no money, so, um, yeah, so they said that she shouldn't have went on, she shouldn't have went on that last tour, and, that, um, but she had to, so that probably contributed because she felt the pressure, she needed the money, which, I mean, she wouldn't have been homeless, because from what I understand, her, her mother's condo was paid for, right, so she probably could have lived, but you know what I'm saying, like, she, she was, she, everybody had bled her dry, everybody had bled her dry, so the only way she was going to get money is she had to go back on tour, she had to do what she did, so that's what she was doing. But everybody to a man was like, if she had not done that, she probably would have been okay because she probably could have got her in rehab, probably could have got it together. And, I mean, she's Whitney Houston, right? She would have, something would have came through. Cause, um, but her voice was gone. She's supposed to get that surgery that Adele got, but she didn't get it, I guess, for whatever reason. I don't know. So, anyway, go see it. I mean, I actually, I even felt funny about seeing it, because I know it goes to her state, but, like, her daughter's dead, and she's dead, so who's her state? That fuck-ass family? Like, I don't want to get them a fucking dime, man. Fuck them. Um, yeah, so, I didn't, I didn't leave it sad, though. I, I wanted to leave it, I left Amy sad, like, god damn, what a fucking tragedy. And Whitney was a tragedy also, but I just felt like, yo, like, I get it. 
like she was just tired. It was I don't it's just like she had nobody nobody like they just took that fucking family was a pack of fucking vultures and they just picked everything from her down to the bone and then it was picking her bones and she just didn't have anybody that she could nobody that she could turn to they had L.A. Reid on there he talking about oh I, I didn't know anything about needing addiction everybody in the theater groaned like okay bruh right um yeah so if you if you haven't seen it go see it it's good um it gives, I, I, so now, I don't know, now I would like a movie that just gives Whitney her roses, like, okay, we figured out what happened, we, but like, I, I would like a movie that just gives Whitney her rose. I mean, I guess it's just kind of, they show her great, they showed a lot of her performances, they show how great she was, like, if you, if you ever mistake why people call Whitney Houston a voice, this movie will show it, they show, it starts with her singing, um, I Wanna Dance With Somebody, that crisp, clean, you hear it. It's her home, her first performance ever. You will never hear another voice like that again. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Um, and you get it. Like, you get the majesty. Oh, the other part that stuck with me also is when, so when she started, when Bobby Brown's sister sold her out to the Enquirer, which is where Kanye got that photo from, for the, her, his sister set her up, broke into her house, took pictures, and sold it to the Enquirer. And they, so when she was going through that tabloid era when they was, you know, just making fun of her and all of that, and L.A. Reid was like, wait a minute, like, this is Whitney Houston. This is the greatest voice of our time. This is how you do her? And they said that Michael Jackson, who, because Whitney was huge, and, and he was in a similar position, and, and she was like, he was like the only one that she could relate to, said he used to call Whitney, like, when all this was going on, and he, I guess he could just knew what she was going through and felt her stress. And they said that he would just call Whitney over and she would go, like she was, Whitney would be in the bed depressed, but when Michael called her that was one person she would get up and she would go, and she said that they would just sit and they wouldn't even talk they would just sit and be in each other's presence and just understand each other because they the only ones that could understand exactly what it was that they were going through because Michael was, you know, they was dragging him through the tabloids too with the child molestation and all that shit and so, that stuck with me also, like wow, like they said, they she would not she would not get up, she would not go out, she was in her hole, but Michael would just reach out to her, and be like, hey, come on and they would just sit um, so, yeah, they were really, they were good friends, I mean, I knew that they were peers, but um, apparently they were like really good friends um, and so, I, and so, and when he died, that, now that's another person, like, damn, so Michael's gone so now I can't even, you know, the other one person that I might could hang with I can't even, you know she just didn't have anybody at the end. She didn't have anybody. I know people say, oh, you had your daughter, but not really. Not really. You know, not to, that's just another burden. I hate to say it like that, but like, that's just somebody else that needs something from me. I need somebody to give me something. You know what I mean? Like, I need somebody to help me. And, um, the family was not it. They just picked at her bones until there was no more. And they still, even in the movie, they very self-serving. You'll see, sit all of them. Very self-serving, just very, I can't stand a lot of them. They, they, they're trash, every, all of them. The only ones that's worth a damn, again, is her hairdresser and her friends. The ones that was in the other documentary that really was like, yo, let me tell you. Because it, it's funny, because every time the family would say something, they would cut to Ellen. And Ellen would be like, okay, let me tell you a story about that. The real deal on that was they, they would cut to her, because like, like, they full of shit. But, um, yeah, great movie, great movie. Um, it's, it's, God, Whitney was my favorite, though, like, I feel, I just feel terrible, but, 
I think she's probably at peace now because Lord have mercy, them people was horrible. Um, okay, so that's it. Um, I'll go to the gang running kind of long here. Go to the Genghis Kick segment. Um, what? So I was on the holiday break. Something came out over the. I want to tell y'all about. Um. Oh. Nah, what was it? Some Jordans came out, but am I right? It was the Jordan threes. The um, they didn't. I thought they would sell out, but they didn't. Um, some Jordan threes came out. So, but for this week, the Air Max One Para. I don't know if they're for the World Cup or something, but I'm gonna put them up. They kind of dope. Actually, they're real dope. Um, it's a couple. Of the LeBron ones are coming out. Eh, I don't. I don't like them. Um, they reissuing the blazer joints, which are not, um, that expensive. Uh, they, like the, um, Clyde joints, they in, like, suede and all the different colors. They kind of dope. Y'all know I got the Reebok joints, which are fly. Oh, this is what I knew it was. The Jordan Hyper Royal Blues came out. I thought they would sell out, but they didn't. It's random. Like, the Jordans you think will sell out, they don't. And the ones you think you'll be able to get, you can. So they came out, um... What, oh, the Vapor Max Pure Air, the, like, neon joints... I'll put them up, but I think they're ugly. I don't like no neon sandals. The camo, Desert Camos came out. I'll put those up. These are Jordans I was talking about. Jordan International Flight. They came out for 190 but they didn't sell out, which I kind of wanted those, but I, I ended up not getting them because, I don't know, I'm trying to chill on Jordans for a little bit and mix it up. The, um, the Air Force One collection came out with the Just Do It. I went back and forth on if I was going to get those for the Air Max. I like them, especially the orange, but I just don't like that black Just Do It on the back. Like, it's doing the most. Like, this writing and the stickers on it, it's a little bit tacky to me. Like, uh, it's like, hey, look at me. Look at my sneakers. I got on Nikes. I got on my Just Do It. I got on my Nikes. I got my stripes. Like, uh-uh. I don't, that's too much. Um... And the Kyrie red carpets, which I think I put out already. But I wanted to, I told y'all about GOAT before, but if y'all on sneakers app and y'all can't find something, go over to GOAT, because GOAT always have it. You might have to pay a little bit more, but sometimes not. Um, yeah, all right. So I'll put all those up. So thanks for asking us back. Thanks for the break. I had a good birthday, by the way. It was chill. Um, usually I go on vacation for my birthday, but this year it just moved. So, you know, y'all know I was going through that shit with my, my job. And so I wasn't, I didn't really, I usually plan my trips out. I usually go to Essence. I miss Essence. This year Essence probably was dope, but I didn't go when last year. I'm going to go next year. I just didn't, I did, summertime rolled up really fast. I was stressed out. I just didn't have a lot of time to plan. So I just didn't go on vacation. So I was here chilling. I'll go later. Um, but I had a good birthday. Um, what did I do? Went to Imani's. Shout out to Imani's uh, um, open. We we got birthdays on the same day. She had a happy hour. And um, I think I just I went to somebody's cookout. I can't remember the holiday blend together. But anyway, I got a couple more days before I got to go to work. So thanks um, for listening. Thanks for asking Kel's radio. Tell your friends. Um, at me at, at KMGZ on Twitter. You know, I use that for both now because um, y'all don't be emailing. Um yeah, thanks for listening. I see my listeners are grown. Thank y'all. Um, I really appreciate it. Tell whoever I'm glad y'all like it. Um, and hope y'all missed me. All right, see y'all next week. Peace.